WFNU is a volunteer-run station made up of many different community voices. Each program expresses one aspect of that diversity, not the views of WFNU or FNA as a whole. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to 651 Sports Update on WFNULP 94.1 FM in St. Paul. We are Frogtown Community Radio. I hope you're having a great Saturday morning while you're out and about, maybe visiting some garage sales in the Hamlin Midway area or just about heading out to the Como Zoo. Who knows? It's a nice sunny day in St. Paul. I've got a great show this morning with me in studio the founder of the Corinne Football Association, Kyle Johnson, and board member Lele Zahn. Good morning, everybody. Good, Good morning. morning. How are you two today? I'm great. The weather's great, so. I'm fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for having us. It's, it's great to be on today. Thank you. You're welcome. We're going to talk about what is the Corinne Football Association. We're going to find out everything we need to know about that. Um, we're also going to go over some scores from this past week it was a busy week as we finally had almost a complete week with no weather and we got some games in um, the next couple of weeks will be filled with activities um, and official sports so we will uh, get to that but first if you want to follow 651 sports update throughout the week you can visit us on facebook twitter and instagram and uh, just search 651 sports update and you'll find us everywhere uh, you socially media about. You can also find WFNU on all of our social media platforms as well. Just search WFNU, Frogtown Radio, or Frogtown Community Radio, and you will find us there as well. You can visit us online at WFNU.org and uh, figure out how you can help us out, either on the air or behind the scenes. We're always looking for awesome volunteers. And if you want to submit some local music, you can do that there as well if you're an artist or a musician that is looking for some radio play or more radio play you can visit us online all right so let's get to it we're going to get to some scores and stats and then we're going to talk to our guests that we have and if you two want to jump in at any time that i give some scores and stats please feel free to do so sounds good all right we're going to start with softball on monday highland park defeated humboldt 10-0 harding over johnson 23-3 Central over Washington, 16-0. On Wednesday, it was Harding, 15, Washington, 8. Highland Park, 17, Central, 3. In the battle of the St. Paul Riveter teammates, it was, uh, we have uh, quite a few hockey uh, teammates on both of those teams. A great picture of that group after the game as well with their coach, uh, Tim Blaze. St. Agnes, 12, St. Croix Lutheran, 2. On Thursday, it was North Lakes Academy over Washington, 18-3. Central over Johnson, 22-1. St. Agnes over Minnehaha Academy, 10-2. And yesterday, St. Agnes defeats Holy Angels, 3-2. So that puts uh, St. Agnes 
at, at I believe six and three so far this season. They're off to a great start. In baseball, it was Humboldt 11, Academy for Science, Sciences and Agriculture 5, Highland Park 3, Como Park 0, Johnson 18, Harding 7, Central 21, Washington 1. On Wednesday, it was Como over Highland 12 to 5, Central 5, Washington 0, Johnson 11, Harding 1, De La Salle defeats St. Agnes 8 to 3, and on Thursday, it was Highland Park 10, Washington 1. Uh, and in a doubleheader, it was Johnson 8, Humboldt 0 in the first game. In the second game, it was Johnson over Humboldt again, 8-3. to three. And yesterday, St. Agnes defeated Heritage Christian 11-4. to four. Central continues their dominance in the St. Paul City Conference in baseball. They are now un- still undefeated. They are now 7-0. and zero. How are they in state? Are they ranked in state? I, I don't know how the rankings work for baseball. Yeah, I haven't noticed uh, anything in state yet what their ranking is okay i know they're kind of in a tougher section so we'll see how sections go sure um sure. and next year i was talking to their coach um so next year they lose nine seniors Oy. so um and i think they have two juniors and a sophomore on the varsity roster now so okay um okay. this year they're they're kind of reaping the be benefits of, of this year and uh hopefully next year they can sustain a little bit of what they've got sure so sure. but uh they're uh they're really cruising they've got a couple of really solid hitters their pitcher liam king uh who's probably one of their you know i think they have two aces on that team he's one of them just a a monster of a of a athlete okay okay uh in badminton on monday it was central five humboldt two washington over como park five to two johnson seven harding zero on tuesday it was washington over edina six to one Highland Park on Wednesday, on Wednesday, it was Highland Park over Como 4-3, Harding over Central 5-2, Johnson defeated Burnsville 7-0, and Washington over Humboldt 6-1. On Thursday, it was Harding 5, Highland Park 2, um, and Humboldt over Como Park 4-3. And yesterday, it was Washington over Johnson 4-3. Um, and we've got uh, some big wins for the St. Paul City teams over some of the more higher-ranked um, outside of the city's opponents over Edina and Burnsville. Well, I, I think the biggest one that you just announced right there was Washington beating Johnson 4-3. to three. Right. Right? Johnson's been top of the state for years now, and uh, that really says about the a lot about the Washington program. Right, yeah. It's, a, it's fun. Uh, I know Eric Erickson and I talk about it quite a bit, the, the dominance of the St. Paul City. Oh. So it just don't, it's, it's I, I unbelievable. Love it. Yeah, so, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, the last 10 years has been uh, nothing but St. Paul. So it, it really, in the top one, two, and three of the state. Yep. yep. And Burnsville, Edina, and Eden Prairie are starting to catch up a little bit. So if you can get wins over those three programs outside of St. Paul, that's saying something about those teams, too. Well, and, and I love it when, when we say that the suburban schools are catching up to the St. Paul schools. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear that very often, No, though. you don't. All right, we're going over to track and field. On Thursday, it was the conference true team meets for both the boys and the girls. And coming in uh, for the girls' side, it goes as follows. Highland Park, Central, Washington, Como Park, Harding, Johnson, Humboldt. For the boys, it was Highland, Central, Washington, Harding, Johnson, Como, and Humboldt. I talked to uh, Coach Z over at Highland Park, and they had 150 kids come out for track and field wow this year so uh, if you combine that with the the number that came out for 
um, Nordic skiing. That was over a hundred kids as well. Oh my! So gosh. there is something going on at Highland with these uh, these sports that aren't as popular as they were in the '90s. I think Kyle, I don't know if you remember, but I know you and I went to Highland Park. Yes, so, we did. Um, Whoa! <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. Yeah. Um, track and field was not one of the more popular sports. Nor was Nordic skiing. No, you're right. You're so, right. And, and to be honest with you, I I tried Nordic skiing uh, for a season or so because I, I was a soccer player looking for another sport to do fitness and. It wasn't for me, but there wasn't many people doing it, and a number of the ones that were doing it were soccer players. Sure. Yeah, it's amazing um, the different uh, dynamic we have and, and participation now in some of these sports. 150 for 150 track? 150 for track. So, wow. Yeah. I don't know how you get that many kids on the track, but... Well, in, well we were talking about ahead of this, you know, with the, the spring weather. Wh- what do you do when you have snow in rain and can't get on the track i can't imagine 150 kids in the well i talked about that with z and interestingly enough the first couple of meets he kind of thought ahead and they scheduled uh meets that were indoors so they participated in some indoor meets good for them so they so they could get on uh and get get going on their season so i'm not sure how many other st paul city teams did that but um, i know for highland that was one um one thing that they looked ahead to do i think because the last three years has kind of dictated that you kind of have to start thinking a little bit out of the box sure that so sure um all right over to lacrosse on the girls side the bobcats will play duluth today at 1 p.m up in duluth uh, i believe at duluth east high school um so we will have scores for that next week in boys lacrosse on monday the Bobcats lost to Mankato seven to six, and on Wednesday they defeated Southwest Christian seven to five. And uh, just so you're not confused, the Bobcats is the name for both teams, boys and girls, uh, since they are a co-op between all of the St. Paul Public Schools. And we had some golf take place this week on Monday on the girls' side. It was Como uh, Humboldt over Como Park, Harding over Central. And Highland Park over Johnson on Wednesday. It was Harding over Johnson. Central defeats Humboldt. And on the boys' side, it was uh, Highland Park over Harding. Como Park uh, loses to Central. And it was Humboldt over Johnson. In tennis on Monday, we have uh, Harding over Highland, 7-0. Humboldt over Washington, 4-3. And Johnson over Como Park, 5-2. On Wednesday, it was Como over Highland, 4-3. Washington defeats North St. Paul, 4-3. And Harding defeats Johnson, 4-3 as well. And on Thursday, it was Creighton over Harding, 5-2. And Johnson defeats Central, 4-3. We also have some ultimate Frisbee scores. On, uh, On the girls' side, Open World Learning will face Maple Grove on Tuesday. Como Aurora will face Great River on Tuesday, and Central will also play Roseville JV on Tuesday. Uh, none of those three teams had any games this week. Um, on the boys' side, though, Central over Avalon 15-0, uh, Owl over Roseville 14-4. That's a big win for Owl. Uh, if uh, Roseville has still got their dominance that they usually have uh, in ultimate, 
SPA over Como, 15 to 13 in a close one. Today is the Granite City Classic in St. Cloud that is taking place right now. I know Como played at 8.30 this morning, and they have three more games scheduled, so depending on how well they do today will dictate uh, when they start play tomorrow. Have you, Eddie, either one of you seen an Ultimate Tournament or a game? I've seen a game, and I loved it. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's incredible. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I like the, so the tournaments are usually laid out, so you play both days no matter what. Okay. Um, and then based on how you do up until that tournament, they put you in different divisions, so you're not, not everybody's in the same bracket, so that way you can play on both days. Sure, sure. Um, and uh, so depending on how well you do the first day will dictate where you get seated and placed okay. the next day. Sure. So, but you're pretty much guaranteed at least five games. That's so fun. Over the weekend, yeah. I love the strategy of it. And, I, you know, there's so much correlation between futsal and, and some of these other sports, like ultimate, where, you know, the way you move the, the ball or the frisbee or whatever around, um, that teamwork of things. It's, it's fun to watch. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It kind of takes you a minute to figure out what the strategy is, though, as far as moving the, the disc ahead. Yeah. So you're like, what are you doing going backwards? You know, it's, <laughs> there's a strategy involved. So got to go find it, uh, check it out. Uh, boys volleyball on Wednesday, Monk College Prep over Como Park 3-0. Rosemont defeated Central 3-2-1. And on Thursday, it was Harding over Central 3-0. There were other matches that took place, but uh, those scores were not uh, reported, so I don't have those. Um, but uh, Minnesota boys volleyball, if you search that on Google or Yahoo or Bing or whoever you use, uh, you'll be able to find their website and get all of the information on that. We have five teams in St. Paul that are participating this year, uh, up from two last year. So. There's there's a ton of buzz, and I, I hope the high school league um, makes it official. It, it's not a, an official high school it, league it's sport not, yet, No, right? not yet. And the, the Board of Regents voted last month 12-7 uh, to 7 against. Um, but that was a year ahead of schedule than what the uh, volleyball um, association wanted to do so okay. um, I don't know if, if it was anticipated for this year but I know it was a, they put it up to vote about a year ahead of schedule so okay um, we'll see what happens next year though so, I, I hope it works out I, I think it's a great opportunity yeah they went I think they went from 53 to 85 schools oh. something like that from the first to second year so it's uh, the demand is out there so it um, is. we'll it really see, is. see how we can go I know a lot of the, the charter schools so Mung College Prep I talked to their coach last year and they've had a volleyball program for a while for the boys, uh, for club. Sure. So um, they were playing other schools, uh, I think other charter schools that had club-level uh, volleyball. So they've been playing for a while. Okay. And they've had a program. So this is uh, the next step for them. And all of the St. Paul schools are just starting their programs right now. So. Well, being rooted at Como, um, I've just seen the excitement over there around the boys' team. And, you know, to see the fans out and the, the guys playing, it's – and. And the collaboration with the the, the, the girls team too, right? Because right. they're helping out too. So yeah. I think that's, that's at every high every St. Paul school that I know of, the is girls it? team is really helping out the boys because the boys don't know where to line up, what to set up, you know, sure. defenses, offenses. What do we do in this situation? God, I love that. So, I love that. Yeah, I know. Uh, the uh, when I talked to Central, we did that Central Harding match last year on six five one sports dot com, and Central's coach was telling me that the girls show up for every practice. Wow. So just to, to help out. So she's like, I've got like 12 assistant coaches. <laughs> so, That's incredible. Yeah. 
So it, it's awesome. Uh, and Coach David's involved this year he in is. the boys' program. So, okay, okay. Yeah, so it's... Uh, He's everywhere. Yeah, he doesn't sleep. <laughs> that's for sure. Love Dovey. <laughs> I love Dovey. All right, so those are your scores and stats for the week. Uh, if you want to catch up on everything else, uh, you can visit stpaulsports.org, um, or you can visit the St. Paul Public School Sports website as well. Um, both websites are great inform- uh, great resources for information schedules. Um, if anything gets canceled, those are usually pretty up-to-date, and they uh, will tell you when it has been rescheduled, if it has gets rescheduled. Uh, the past couple of years, they've been uh, working their butts off, <laughs> keeping that updated uh, for all of the reschedules, uh, especially in the spring. Oh, yeah. All right, so let's talk. Corinne Football Association. Sounds great. I've got two experts uh, in the studio with me. Like I said before, I have Kyle Johnson, uh, who I, we call you the founder, even though you're, you, you tell me that you're not great with titles. So for mm. the purposes of this, we will just uh, introduce you as the founder okay. because uh, that's what you are. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Lele Zahn, who's a board member, as I take out my uh, laptop here, um, on the Corinne Football Association. Um, if you could just tell us uh, basically what your functions are uh, in the association to get us started, and then we'll start talking about the who, what, when, why, and where. Sounds good. Sounds good. So w- right now we're very, very new. Um, just started with, let's see, it was the end of December when I got word that we were accepted to be a member as a part of Kenefa. So Kenefa is a worldwide organization. Okay, it's like FIFA. Okay, so FIFA deals with um, major countries: Brazil, U.S., England. You know, when we're talking the World Cup this summer for the women, um, all of those teams are a part of FIFA. Kenefa works with um, stateless people, smaller regions of, of areas and communities of people around the world, but gives them the same platform. That, that FIFA does. And so I found out about Kenefa when I was working with an organization trying to get the Tibet Women's National Team to come here and play this past summer. Mm-hmm. And as I learned more and more about them, I was like, this would be an amazing opportunity for the Karen community to be a part of this organization. You know, over the last three years, I've, I've been able to, to work with a number of the athletes in the community, coaching at Como, and there's so much talent within this community that, to me, they deserve to have a foot on the world stage. And so I applied for the membership. I found out in late December that, that we were accepted. And it was at that point in early January that I was like, okay, hey, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Current national team. <laughs> now, did you have to have some kind of a, a semblance of organization to apply? Or do you just did you, could you apply with the intent of forming this group and organization? I had many conversations with them um, in initially about things and, and to learn more about it, but I, I applied with an intent. Um, we're a nonprofit right now, and I'm, uh, I'm excited to have Lele and Tulor, uh, uh, another young woman who graduated from Como, on the board. It's, it's actually a very unique board, so it's the two of them and then um, a colleague of mine, uh, Mohammed, 
um, who has started an organization, a company called Apomonia, and so he is a Somali refugee. And so we have two women and a Somali refugee as the board for the Quran national team. Awesome. Yeah. And Laylee, what is your role and what have you been doing up to this point? So as of now, uh, like Kyle has mentioned, it is pretty new. And um, I just finished my, uh, you know, my second year of college. Um, and so, um, and Tulor is still in school. And so we haven't really had um, enough time to meet up yet. But a lot of the planning will go into effect this summer. And so um, a lot of like the logistics will be carried out in the summer. So, yeah. And where do you go to college again? I go to Augsburg University, and I am a second year there, and um, it's been great. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about your background uh, with soccer. Um, where did you play in high school, and uh, what other organizations have you played for? So um, just, like, my story and, like, my, like, like my soccer story. Okay. Yeah. So um, I started playing soccer pretty late um so in pretty like in high school a lot of young girls tend to start playing in middle school and elementary and so um I played for Como and um that was like I think that was it um I enjoyed it a lot but outside of that um a lot of there was a lot of soccer in my community and um a lot of it is like self-organized and so it was just soccer with a with Como, with the Karen community, and when I started playing, um, there, um, like, I think after, like, how I saw it was that after, like, Kyle sort of, like, introduced, um, um, like, you know, freestyling and footwork Mm -hmm. into the program, a lot of girls, um, started to find interest in, uh, playing soccer and, just like posting videos of what these you know amazing uh talented women can do really sparked like uh sort of like a movement in our community and so and why do you think that is is it because of the style of play um that the community grows up doing more of like a freestyle definitely i think um before the program um before like kyle came in um the program was sort of like just not that active or like not there wasn't a lot of passion sure uh with playing the game and so just after um kyle introduced us to you know have fun and do like um, fun things with the ball um a lot of girls started finding interest there was like friends you know started sharing i was like hey come to this come to futsal check it out and so a lot of young girls started to come and it's just amazing yeah, and those videos of people are interested. You post a lot, Kyle, on the Like a Girl Worldwide Facebook page and, and everything, So, um, which is really cool to see. But tell me a little bit. So the the, the, sty- the freestyle part of soccer is becoming more and more, um, at least in the last couple of years that I've noticed, there's even uh, Joy of the People in St. Paul is pretty much based on freestyle type play. But why, Kyle, do you feel that, more of the freestyle part of it is important um, to get people involved or, uh, you know, other people involved with soccer and futsal. So it, it's really interesting to me because I, I think I look back at, you know, when you and I were growing up and mm-hmm. went to Highland and everything that... Um, oh, it's the second one we got in there. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
as kids, we did a lot of pickup, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you don't see that in, in today's society as much. Everything is very organized. Everything is very structured. Um, but where you do see that, and, and here's the, the really interesting thing that I found at, you know, over the last three years at Como and working with many of the athletes in these communities, is that that, that, that aspect of pickup is, is still very much there. And the quality of play is unbelievable, right? And so I, I think it's really just shining a light on a community like the Karen community where this style of play, this organization of play, where they just play pick up all of the time and they're getting better and better is is something that needs to be shown to kind of the mainstream soccer system. I, I mm-hmm. think it's something that's missing in the mainstream soccer system. And so, you know, all of the involvement that I had over the last three years um, with young women in these communities, it's is that something that I got to start thinking about was do we, like, what's the right solution here? Do we take these kids from these communities and plop them into the current mainstream system? And I don't know that that's the right situation. I think what needs to be done is the mainstream system really needs to take a look at these communities and see how they can work with the communities that are out there. I mean, we have so many refugee and immigrant communities within our country that aren't getting looks at, that aren't being noticed, that are going flat out invisible by mainstream soccer. I think we need to do a better job from a mainstream system in connecting with these communities, figuring out how we can really combine the talent of everybody in this country to have a great system, right? When, I, I, and I can go on and on about this, but you know, when, <laughs> when the U.S. men's national team didn't qualify for the World Cup, all of the red flags went off, right? What are we doing wrong? Hope Solo comes out, well, it's, it's truly the best of who can afford it. And she's right. She's 100% right. And so these communities deserve to be a part, deserve to get looked at. And c- quite frankly, that's one of the missions with the Korean national team is that, right? Because now all of a sudden we can give these young women and men a platform to play at a higher level and to be recognized by colleges and to be recognized by pro teams and semi-pro teams. And now they have, they legitimately will have something to put on their resume that will get their foot in the door, right? Will open doors for these young athletes. And they, they don't have that before. Unless they have a coach in high school that's really advocating for them, they don't have that opportunity. So a lot of these athletes are going unlooked. And, and, and so truly part of the mission of the current national team is uh, to give young women and men opportunity to play at that next level. Yeah, I was going to ask you the next question was, you know, why is that important uh, for you to have a Korean national team? But I think you just answered that. Now, we did, you did a lot of work, um, and, and uh, I think we were all uh, there and involved in some way or another with the Like a Girl College Showcase um, games that you had uh, the last couple of years. Um, and there was a, a lot of teams um, with a lot of players, uh, Korean players on there. Um, and that did give them an opportunity because coaches from colleges came to see them. And you had you had quite a few players get extended offers, correct? Yeah, so that's, I mean, I, I, I've loved that, that, that whole situation, organization, that the organization is, is still doing great things. And 
Um, I'm under the understanding that they're, they're going to have another college showcase this summer, which is, is absolutely fantastic. But we started out our first year. We had uh, two colleges show up, mm-hmm. right? We had, um, who was it? Iowa Lakes um, in, in Iowa, Iowa Lakes Community College. And then Superior, UW Superior. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came down, and we had eight teams of, you know, 20 girls. And like you're saying, many of them were from the current community and and they got a look and you know the the greatest thing to me after that tournament was taking two young women who had no intention of going to college in the fall to college now in Iowa to play soccer on a scholarship and that that was so rewarding as an organization at the time and mm-hmm. and, and to me personally that we were able to help open those doors right and then the second year, we ended up having 15 colleges come, which, you know, going from 2 to 15 is really, really big. Right. And I'm just happy that those those colleges ended up coming and signed up and, and all were on board with the fact that they recognized that the kids that were playing at this college showcases aren't the ones that they're seeing at the traditional college showcases that they go to around the country, right? This is something completely unique because it's for young, well, this was for young women um, that weren't a part of the club system. And, you know, to tie it in with the current national team, I remember having conversations at the tournament with St. Paul High School coaches I said, guys, like, you need to be doing this for the guys. Like, this isn't an issue just with the young women within the community. The guys in this community deserve to have this type of event as well because they're going unrecognized. And so I think I was able to look back at that conversation and that at that moment. And, you know, again, largely uh, a big part of why I wanted to start this organization, to start this national team, was to give both women and men in the community, an opportunity, a chance to be seen. And, and I think that, you know, with a lot of hard work and planning and everything, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be able to do that. And, and who knows, you know, we, down the road, we might even have our own college showcase, one for, right. for, for women and one for men. But it's something that needs to be done in communities that, that aren't being seen by colleges. All right, so you talk a lot about equality um, with the Korean National mm-hmm. Association mm-hmm. and both teams. Um, tell me why is that important and is, is there, uh, you know, in some cultures there's a a cultural divide as far as what men and women can do. I mean, it's neither, you know, in the United States, we have a lot of work to do still, but I mean, equality is still something that's at the forefront of what we try to do, especially, uh, now, but why is it important to have the, both the men's and the women's and the, the equal opportunity for both? Uh, so I can talk about that <laughs> because I definitely experienced that um, as a player in the current community. And um, just soccer um, as a history in the current community is really dominated by men. Um, you, like, when you look um, back, like, over 10 to 15 years ago, you don't, you didn't see woman women playing soccer. And, um, so just like five years ago um we have seen like a rise in like women teams that you know these are self um organized women teams and um just 
uh, in other states also. And um, just the treatment of, um, you know, women playing soccer um, is definitely not fair. Um, the way they handle men's tournaments and men's team are, are, are more professional, are more um, respected and valued. They just see these women's team as, you know, like something minor, mm -hmm. something um, not to, you know, not to be put like no value in. And so, um, so we participated in tournaments that were definitely like not fair. We did not have like uh, refs that cared about like the calls. We did not have uh, linesmen, lineswomen who um, were attentive in the games. Um, and there's just not a lot of respect for women's soccer or there, there was no value. They didn't see any value in that. And so, um, and we're trying to change that. Um, so just um, with like this national team, we're trying to put women first, right? And we're mm -hmm. trying to put them on an equal playing field. We, um, even when, when you hear the word like current national team, they're gonna think of men. Um, but we're trying to put um, this team, uh, this women's team first. And um, yeah, and just like with sports in general, um, in our community, not a lot of um, parents support um, women going into athletics. Um, sure. And to think of it as like a career, um, that's like out of the question, like what what can you do with that, right? right. Uh, what can you do for your people, like just for playing soccer, right? And so um, a lot of us, a lot of our parents, you know, want us to become like doctors, nurses, uh, lawyers, and, you know, that's what they see as what a, a true profession is. And so um, a lot of young women are also discouraged to participate in sports when their parents don't really support them or, um, you know, encourage them to play. So, so what what do you think it'll take for that to change? I mean, is it has it gotten better in the last couple of years, or is it still something that you, you feel that is still you got to find that one thing to, to break the ground to start changing people's minds. I feel like it depends um, on the family. I, I've seen families who really support their children in athletics. I've seen like their families just going out to every game, like the whole family going out to the game and supporting their daughter, their sons in these um, in athletics. And then um, you have um, athletes who whose parents don't show up to the games. They don't know what their children are doing. Right. And so I honestly think um, just with the team, I think getting light and exposure that we can compete at this level will definitely like, you know, think about this. This is what our people, um, this is where our people are going. And um, yeah, we can do, we can compete at this level. And so it's just, I hope they recognize that it is valuable. Right. So I, I just want to, I want to chime in. So, you know, three years ago when I started coaching the, the girls team at Como um, and got to meet many of these young women and, and I knew how great of athletes there were within the community. Um, and then I started like a girl with, with two others. Right. And, and so my, my whole focus was on empowering young women and giving young women opportunities. And over the last three years, I think what I really came to realize and my, the biggest mission I have with this national team is this, is, you know, I'm wanting this organization 
to make generational change. And that's, you know, uh, clearly that's a long-term goal, right? Mm-hmm. But I think by using the platform of the national team and, and doing some of the things that I, I have in mind, um, we can make that generational change. Now, what do I mean by generational change, right? You, Mike, you asked, you, you know, how, how can we start changing perceptions and behaviors and beliefs? And um, now with putting the women at an equal level as the men, putting them ahead of the men, you know, in, in some right, and in, in showing that they're amazing athletes, um, we'll be working with athletes who are in their 20s, right? Early 20s, late 20s. So w- I'm hoping that we can shape the beliefs of these athletes in terms of how women should be treated and viewed. With that being said, right, we're going to have young kids, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds, now looking up to these athletes, right, viewing them right. as role models, both as women and men. And, and truthfully, right, I, I, I say this all the time. When, when we talk about generational change under gender equity, it's not the women that have to change. Right? And this is something that I've really gotten into over the last three years. It's great to provide all these opportunities to empower young women. But truthfully, it's not the women that need to change. It's the men that need to change. Right? And we need to understand how to um, shape our beliefs around how women should be treated and viewed in society. And so now we're going to have, like I said, four, five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds looking up to both young women and men in terms of what they're doing, how they're reacting, right? I think that's where the generational change is going to come. And so it's, it's a long-term thing. But these athletes that, that are going to be selected to be a part of this team are really going to be generational change, not just within the current community, right? I see this as a model for businesses, for other professional sports organizations, to what they should be doing because – Truthfully, I don't think they're doing it right, right? I don't think the emphasis is being placed on men, and that's where the emphasis needs to be placed on. Right, yeah, you got to change, get to the heart of the matter and change that Absolutely. first. And, and you have to change who's, you know, who's in, in power, right? Because, and, and this is a big thing with me, and I've, I've had discussions with Lele about this, and, you know, I, I always go back to, so I, I coach Lele at Como, and I, I will always remember a conversation that we had sitting at McMurray Field, right, towards the end of practice, watching other kids just kick the ball around. You know, I'm very fascinated with what these kids want to do with, with their future, right? I, I like to play devil's advocate sometimes and, and really push them to define what their dreams and goals are. So I will always remember this conversation that we had. And, you know, we're sitting on the bleachers, and I'm asking her, you know, what she's thinking about doing with school and what she's thinking about doing with life. And, you know, she – she has a passion of, you know, she, she stated she wanted to work for something like the UN and really be an advocate for refugees in the current community. And so right away when I was putting this board together, you know, she was the first person that I thought of to be on this board. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I've mentioned this to her before, and, and I don't know if this is something that she's going to be interested in in four or five years from now, but... It's important for me as a man to be able to hand the keys over and say, hey, look, I want you as a strong, intelligent, capable, soccer-loving woman 
to take this organization under your wings and run it because I think here we are. The message is gender equity, right? She, as a young Karen woman, fully capable in taking this on, should be running this organization. So currently she's in school. She has mm -hmm. a lot of things to figure out, <laughs> right? Not um, quite there yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> and, and who knows? Things may change. She might she not be, might not be interested in, in taking on that role, but like, I want that option to be there for her because of the discussions that we've had in the past about what her passions are and what drives her. Sure. That's important. All right. Time is now 1040. You're listening to 651 Sports Update on WFNU, Frogtown Community Radio. I am your host, Mike Resendez, and with me in studio is Kyle Johnson and Lele Zahn of the Corinne Football Association. So we talked about exposure a little bit. Lele, you brought that up. Um, so why start a national team in St. Paul? Why not start it in L.A. or New York or somewhere bigger like that, if you can explain to me what the significance of, I mean, other than you living in St. Paul <laughs> and starting it, but, I mean, is, is there uh, uh, the concentration of refugees uh, higher here in this area, or um, where else um, do we see uh, Korean refugees uh, going worldwide? Um, with that, I think um, it's Minnesota is high, highly populated with the Korean people, um, and do we, like, do, I don't know if our, you know, viewers know who the current people are. No, maybe you can explain yeah. a little bit that's about. A, yeah, that's yeah, a great I, idea. I was, I was like, okay. Who, to, who are the current people? Where yeah. do they come from? Um, so the current people, um, you can probably, like, find them as your neighbors if you're listening. Um, they come from Burma and, um, they are a stateless people. They are an ethnic group, um, that resides in Burma but um during World War Two, just to go way back, um the Burmese military, um, you know, they wanted to gain independence and freedom from Britain and um and so when they did, um they could do whatever they want with um their own country and that involved a lot of like ethnic cleansing and um in Burma there's over like a hundred ethnic groups with their own cultures, with their own um, languages, and um, after World War II, there was just a lot of like um, military and political turmoil, and that just oppressed the Karen people, and um, they were, you know, driven out of their villages um, by the military to, you know, move away from Burma, and so they became refugees in that way. And um, a lot of us moved to Thailand, uh, you know, to find refuge. And as a result, there was a lot of refugee camps established to, you know, to host Korean refugees. And after that, you know, d during the late 90s, during the early 2000s, um, there was a Korean diaspora of just a lot of Korean people moving all over the world, like mm -hmm. to Australia, to Europe, to North America. And Minnesota is very, like, um, the USA was um, a popular destination for a lot of current refugees. And so, and in Minnesota overall, um, it is one of, like, it, it's, it hosts, we're hosting a lot of um, current refugees. And um, 
I think it's a good location to start this mm-hmm. organization um, because we have a big community and we have that support. Um, when you look at other com- communities, um, there isn't a lot of Korean people. And when they're trying to like host these tournaments, um, there's uh, it takes a lot to host them. And so I think um, just having the Korean national team um, locate here is great because we have the support, we have the people, and we have the partnerships here, and yeah. Yeah, and I it, uh, kind of on that, you know, I I also when I made the announcement that it was the we were having the current national team uh, put the photos up, announced the website, and you know, I got a lot of comments from people all over, really all over the U.S. saying, well, it, it looks more like the Minnesota national team. Right, because all the all the photos are from athletes from Minnesota because sure. this is our backyard. Yep. And I, I guess I want to make it really clear that that's not the case and that, you know, we'll be scouting all summer and we'll be trying to get around the country as much as we can and, and very much realize that there is talent everywhere, right? And we had spoke a little bit but before we got on. I've had people contact me from all over the world, right, from New Zealand, from Singapore, um, from Europe about how to get onto the team. And so there's Karen people everywhere. And our mission, our job as the Karen national team is that this is the people's team. Right? This isn't my team. This isn't Minnesota's team. This is right. the Karen community's team. And we're going to do our best to um, try to scout everyone uh, around, the, around the world. You know, initially it's going to be around the country, right, around the U.S. because it's going to be – easiest logistically logistically easiest for for us to do that and so when we're looking at forming these national team camps the goal is to try to do it geographically so that there will that the people will have access to it right so that somebody in new york doesn't have to travel to minnesota to come to a national team camp or someone in dallas doesn't have to come up to minnesota so Ideally, and again, we're very new. We're working through all of this, right. and it's it's, it's going to be a slow thing. But ideally, you know, wh- we'd like to do one in potentially Phoenix that would um, host the West Coast and maybe South portion of things, and maybe one out in New York where uh, the East Coast um, current community can come, right? And then obviously one in the Midwest as well. So sure. all of that stuff is is in the works right now. But that's that's the intent is that we can provide access to people all over the country um, and then, you know, invite the ones that, that we feel would be the best fit to be on the national team to those camps. Now, how do you how do you start a national team from scratch? I mean, that sounds like a huge endeavor. I mean, you just throw the word national in there and it sounds like a great big area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, I mean, uh, how, do you, how do you start it? How do you go about identifying? Like, how do they contact you how do they send videos are they sending emails are they sending pictures i mean how do you how do you go about all of that i think kyle knows more about this because (laughs) um um but you know as you know current people we don't have a country and we've grown up watching you know fifa world cup and there we have people we have countries just representing their nations and um for us we the only way that we've ever thought of like you know playing at this level would be like okay what if I, what if i tried out for the you know u.s men's national team right whatever country yeah, you're living well, in yeah whatever country you're living in and we've never thought of 
our people having our own country um to represent like we've never thought that was possible sure um but kanifa exists and um just allowing you know stateless people people without like 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 geologically a country um to 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 play at that level is just amazing and uh you know a, an advancement and kyle knows more about you know <laughs> like the process and he can tell you more <laughs> well and, and and we're still building the process and you know someone that i i have to mention here someone that's helped me tr- tremendously throughout this initial process has been uh coach sunday at, at, at como <laughs> uh he's he's a player in the community and uh just a great guy and he's he's been he's been there and in a big part of things up to this point so um building a national team i mean it's <laughs> clearly you're right, right. that's it, it, it's it's a big big deal and it's it's something that um is ever evolving in terms of what we're doing so the the initial push is going to be this summer so the current community has many tournaments they they host their own tournaments around the country um in different communities and so the the first initiative is to be we'll have a presence at many of these tournaments not all of the tournaments right (laughs) yeah you know i i I only have such a small group right now so many times yeah so much time (laughs) but you know there's a big one in south dakota that that we'll be getting to for sure um and then you know clearly many in the midwest and i'd really like to get to one out out east i've heard there's uh, a fairly big one in indianapolis okay um that's as far east as I mean, there's there's current people in New York, New York. And, and North Carolina and stuff, but I don't think they have many tournaments, big Not tournaments, as big as the one right? In exactly. Okay. Exactly. So um, I'm gonna try to get. We're gonna try to get out there this summer as well. But it's right now. It's the identification process of things, right? And that's that's the, really gonna be the first step in things. Um, I'm also connecting with colleges. So as as we host these national team camps. My goal is to have the camp at a college, and it, it really is um, twofold because when we have it at a college, now we can introduce kids in the community that had no idea, no thought or belief about playing in college. Mm-hmm. Now we can introduce them to what that looks like. So we could work with the college that we're staying at and practicing at and have their coaches come in and give seminars on what it takes to be a college athlete and, or a student athlete even, right? How to get selected, how to get recruited, all of those things that isn't an option for many of these athletes right now. It would be a, a, a partnership with some of these colleges, right? Sure. So identification is is going to be the biggest thing. And, it, you know, when I look at other national teams, I look at the, the U.S. women's and, and men's national team and, and kind of look to see how those players are selected. It's It's very interesting because, you know, just because you've made the national team once, doesn't mean you're going to be on the national team again. I look at local sensation Miguel Abara, who plays for mm-hmm. Minnesota United, right? Or Christian Ramirez, right, who doesn't play for United any longer. He's at LAFC. He's LA, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But both were invited to be on in the national team camp. Both played games, right? They had a moment where they were viewed as one of the best in the pool at that time. 
and got rewarded for it. Fantastic, you know. Um, but if you look now, you may not see their names within that pool of players, right? So it's an ever-evolving list. And I think from uh, an organizational standpoint, that's going to be one of the ch most challenging things for us as a national team. The other challenging thing that, that we're going to run into is this, is when you look at the powers of the world, Brazil, United States, whatever, you know, all of their national team players are playing professionally. Right, yeah, they pull them out. Or right, exactly. The year, throughout so the they're year, training yeah, they're year round. Year round, yeah. Okay, so within the current community, okay, if you make that pool, we're going to have a camp that's a week and a half, and we might not see you for months again. Okay, well. What are you doing? In what the, are you doing right. in between those three to four months that we're going to see each other again when we're getting ready for a tournament? And so this is something that I'll speak to the athletes right now. There is so much self-drive and self-initiative that you are going to have to have as an athlete because we're not training year-round like all of these other national teams. Right. You're going to have to find a way to either play on a local semi-pro team, pro team, get in men's leagues, women's leagues, right? play in college. There are so many things that, as it again, if you want to be a national team player, like you're going to have to have that self-drive to keep you at that level because at any given moment, your place can be taken. If, sure. you, if you come into camp, and trust me, we can tell if you, know, you got a Planet Fitness gym membership for 10 bucks two weeks before, before our national right. team <laughs> camp, we'll be able to tell right, that yep. you did it for two weeks and not three months. Okay, I'm sorry, right? This is the situation that we're in now. So right. it's a serious commitment. It's it's a serious commitment, and right. and it's going to take a lot from the athletes, right? We're putting a ton of work and effort and everything into this. Like you said, this is a big deal. You you can't just slap a team together and put a title on it and say, hey, this yeah, is national for the team. best, yeah. right? Exactly. Like, there's so much pride involved with this. Like, I know there's so much talent within the community, both on the women and men's side. It's a talent that I want to showcase to the world, right? But to do so, everybody has to be on board and everybody's going to have to be ready, including the athletes. Right. It's not something you can just show up for camp for for a week and a half and then go about and do your daily stuff. And then come back. And then think you're going to come back and really truly be a part of this team. Right. Now, how many, how many players are you looking to – to identify for both teams and how many, how many, I mean, have you thought about roster size or coaches or yeah, anything yeah. like that? I mean, what, what can you tell us on that? I know you probably don't have names or don't want to even mention names as far as that stuff goes, but I mean, how is all that playing out? So roster size, you know, I, ideally, and, and this may be a 2020 thing, but roster size, it would be great to have an A and a B team. Sure. Right, so we would be looking at 18 to 20 on each team. So we would be looking at, what, 36 to 40 yep. total. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's for both men's and women's. Both women and men. Yep, okay. absolutely. So um, the pool itself is going to be much bigger, right? And, right? and I do know the pool on the men's side will be much larger than the women's. But w the women's pool is growing, and... And it'll get bigger. And it's absolutely 100% going to get bigger. 
and it's you know it's been really encouraging to me for the amount of people in general but really young women that have reached out and I've been able to connect with around the country that play because I didn't know right and so I get excited by hearing about this young female athlete or I see her freestyle video online and like oh my god who's this right and it now start getting um part of the pool and and you mentioned that that pool is going to grow and I think the other the other goal for me and Lele you can speak on this a bit um and I'll try to make it quick I, yep. I know yeah gonna, yeah we okay. got about three and a half minutes okay I'm gonna I'm gonna make it really quick um <laughs> Part of the role model thing with the the current national team is like to be able to see yourself right at a high level. And if you can't see yourself, if there's nobody, there's no, there's not an Asian woman on the U.S. women's national team right mm-hmm. now. So you can't see yourself getting to that point, right? As a, a young Korean woman, and so now the pool is going to get bigger because now we're going to have Korean women who are on a national team and all these other young girls seeing themselves there. Um. Yeah, just the lack of representation um, in the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, And that's just discouraging, I feel like. And um, just being able to um, represent um, our people, you know, at this level just will be inspiring and for a lot of young women. And um, I just hope um you know they take this um this opportunity very seriously sure and um yeah just yeah and the men too i mean this national team i really see as a stepping stone to get into other levels of the sport right right all right so people want to check you out maybe donate get involved that way where can they find you so the website is karen k-a-r-e-n-f-a dot com and we're on social media under karen football association and that's on on facebook Facebook and instagram Instagram, um not not, on twitter no not yet not Not yet. yet i think i was looking for you the other day and i couldn't find you so i was going to ask you about that so yeah yeah. um but uh, i think what you guys are doing is awesome um, six five one sports is, uh, going to partner with you any, in any way we can. Thank you. So, um, just, uh, you know, we'll make sure we get all your updates out. But, um, as far as being ambassadors for the community and the team, you guys are doing great work. Um, I'm excited to see what happens. Thank you. So, and I hope you guys get frequent flyer accounts. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you guys will be doing a lot of traveling over the next, uh, few years absolutely getting this thing underway it's a big big uh, opportunity for everybody it's a lot of work so um i i appreciate you guys coming in thanks for uh, having us no problem. thanks for joining us on 651 sports update that is our show for today i want to thank kyle and Lele for coming in here i am podcast is coming up next have a great saturday everybody